five, four, three, two, one. <clears throat> Thanks for tuning in to All Swish No Ish. Here is your host, Cody, Cody McBala. If you haven't already, I encourage you to look us up on social media and follow us. Give us a like. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The handle is at McBala Sports Training. We are on all those platforms as well as our website. McBallersports.site123.me There you can keep current with latest article postings, podcasts, and social media updates as well. Old and new episodes of the All Swish No Ish podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube as well. Who's there? So if you're familiar with the show's format, I usually do some fancy pants introduction for a guest, but this next guest is my sister Carly, so we're going to avoid that at all costs, and we're just going to ask her how she's doing. So how are you doing today, Carly? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing good. Thanks for Uh, the introduction. (laughs) So today I'm just interested in talking to you about your experience as the basketball manager for the school you went to. So if you could just share with everybody uh, what level that school was that you worked at. I worked at a school that was NAIA level. And what was your title exactly? What were your duties? And like, what did a regular day look like for you? Um, I typically, I would have to be at all the practices and we had sometimes two a day and, uh, most time they started about 6am. So I would have to be at the practices in the morning and I would run the shot clock and get the balls out and just, uh, prepare the floor for the girls practices and let the goals down and things like that. Fill water bottles. And uh, sometimes I would be responsible for filming plays during practice at certain points. And then um, that would be like mostly the everyday things. And then, of course, there were game days. So I was the only manager for the team. Usually there's two to three. um, So we can kind of get a little break. But I was the only one for a season and a half there. So I traveled every game with the girls and I was also uh, at all the home games with them. I sometimes did double duty and uh, worked at the scores table and ran the shot clock for their home games um, as well as I would film the games for them and also just like I said maintain the water bottles and get the coaches things ready for them for their games as far as the um, paperwork they needed and their dry race boards and I would give the girls we had um, scouting sheets so I would prepare those for them all right that took up half the show with that answer (sighs) you mentioned that you were the only manager for the better part of almost two years yes was that just the woman's side or like the men's side was shorthanded too um the men's had a lot of help from because the 
manager on the men's side just did what the managers were supposed to do. So um, the job was kind of basic, but I would say they definitely had more help, whereas I had a lot more responsibility and I did more than, you know, what I agreed to when I first started at that position. But there was actually two other people that started with me, but they quit one of them quit before the season even started during practice time and then the other one quit shortly after because I think they realized you know it was maybe more than what they thought it was or more than what they agreed to so why do you think it why do you think there was a difference between the men and women's like why it was easier for the men's team to retain their managers um part of it I think maybe was um, I don't. I think the men's team at the school I went to just they were had a better record and they had more attention at the school. So the women's team kind of just lacked that support um, from the athletic office and sometimes the help that it, it didn't get that extra help that the men's got maybe because they weren't as successful. And the women's team was only it was only in its fourth year of the or it's third year of the program when I began helping there. So it was relatively new as well. How did you find out about the job? Was it marketed on campus or something? Yes, it was. I actually was with mom on campus. or uh, I think I was going to see the advisor and maybe change my major for the second time. Um, but I believe it was on the bathroom stall, on the back of the stall, it was listed that they needed help with managers for the men and women's team, if anybody was interested. And so I emailed the head coach and assistant coach, and it took them like a month to get back to me. But once they did, the process was pretty fast after that. So why did you want to get into that? I love sports, especially basketball, and I just thought it was a great opportunity for me to um, get myself involved at school, and um, I was new there, so it also helped me to meet some more people and meet some of the staff, and I just thought it would be a great connection for me and a great job to have, and I definitely didn't know how much it was going to take when I started so I was just kind of thinking you know I went to most of the basketball games anyway so I thought you know why not be on the other side of it or you know get some money while I'm here but it turned into a lot more than that. So did you have any experience with the men's team? I was around them a lot for uh, tournaments, traveling tournaments and nationals in um, Iowa. And then I was around them, you know, all the home games once it came to conference time and traveling conference games. So they were definitely, yeah, I was definitely around them. And um, I also ran the shot clock for their games. Um, even after I stopped being a manager for the women's team, I still continued to work with both the basketball teams as far as the scores table went. And with your time uh, having experience with both the men's and women's side, the athletes, what would you say was like the hardest thing for them to overcome at the college level, the NAIA level? Was it 
in the classroom, like balancing the schoolwork or adjusting to a different playing field, what would you say you notice? I think it would definitely be the difference in the um, expectation for them and the, um, you know, level of intensity from high school to NAIA. There was a lot more accountability for them, um, for themselves, and just as team members. It, I definitely, with the women's, it was all about teamwork and being a team. And, you know, if one person wasn't just punished, it was the whole team because they were they were one so I definitely think it was that transition from high school to college level basketball so do you think that it looked like from how people maybe change their playing styles and stuff that maybe high school led them to be like more selfish individuals whereas college points you to be more selfless Yes, definitely, and especially some of the players that came to um, the NAIA school I worked with. The college I worked with was smaller, and a lot of the high schools the girls were coming from were smaller, so typically they had one star, and the one star were the ones that got recruited, so it was easy for them to, you know, be successful at their high schools and stand out, whereas at the college level, it was a lot harder. What was the total enrollment for kids on campus at your university? Um, I would say there was roughly 1,000 on campus and there was about, there's probably a total of 3,000 enrolled with online. And so with a small, a small university like that, were most of your players, because the school is located in Indiana, were most of the players for the basketball team from Indiana and the surrounding states, or where do they come from? Uh, yeah, they were relatively close. Definitely the last year they started recruiting some players from a little bit further out. I know we had a player from California, but the majority of them are from Indiana, typically the Indianapolis area or Fort Wayne. And in any of your classes, were any athletes in the classroom with you? Yes, it's... The majority, I would say, of students that are on campus are involved in some type of sport, whether that be basketball or soccer or tennis. And that's usually, like, I felt like they were the majority of the students that were on campus there. Okay. Would you say that in the classroom were athletes given preferential treatment from professors like, were they able to turn assignments in later or have condensed assignments due to their more demanding schedules? Yes, because I um, actually was on the better half of that. And I kind of took advantage of that as well once I became the manager and I was traveling with them. I also, they gave me that um, extra time too, even if I didn't need it. It was, you know, you could take a test a week after when you were supposed to take it instead of, you know, some of the professors would say, you know, take it before you leave. A lot of the professors would let let students take it a week after um, they were supposed to. And then homework, I feel like if you didn't turn it in, it was fine. And, and part of that may have been the smaller university, but they were very lenient with athletes in particular. Do you think that that 
is fair for professors to have that viewpoint of athletes because I know on your college campus and even you, like, kids have jobs outside of school, so mm-hmm. it's not like they're lazy students. And I know yeah. that the student athletes work hard, but the other students have schedules too. So do you think that that's fair that they get that sort of treatment? No, definitely not. And um, one thing that I remember like very vividly was I had a class with the women's basketball coach. She was my professor and it was just kind of crazy to see, you know, I was also working two other part-time jobs as a, one as a dental assistant, one as a server, as I was being the full-time manager of the women's basketball team there and traveling with them, et cetera. And it was like my expectations as a manager there were always supposed to be priority and you know I was always supposed to have my duties there fulfilled whereas a lot of the athletes in the classroom with her I feel like you know if they didn't meet the expectations or do the assignments in there it was fine like that class in particular I felt it was like really bad maybe because she was the coach and the professor things were more easy to slide but I definitely feel that it's unfair treatment to other students and it's just kind of making it seem like their other responsibilities maybe aren't as important and just to give listeners a better understanding of the NAIA level because I know that myself the college I went to is D2 and then the college I worked with was D1 so I don't have much knowledge about the NAI experience but you guys are located in Indiana and what were some of the other states that you went to I went to California and Oregon and Iowa and um, Kentucky Ohio Pittsburgh yeah I think when people think lower than D1 D2 D3 and NAIA they think you're just playing local schools and traveling on a bus, but it is more serious than what people give it credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did fly. And I also, too, going into that, I had no idea the type of um, experience I would have at that level either as far as the traveling and as much as it was. But it was amazing. Yeah. So getting back to your interactions with both the men's and women's teams, did you notice on campus whether it was games or team events like camps or clinics they hosted, did the men's and women's teams each support each other? Yes, actually, um, I believe it was agreement within the athletic office. As an athlete, you were held accountable to go to other athletes' games and activities, etc. So the men's and women's team, Definitely, it was uh, mandatory that you had to be there for the games if it was a home game. And did you have much interaction with the men's coaching staff when you did help them out? with the coaching staffs would you say they were more focused on winning and just focused about their program 
or where they focus more on helping the student become a better person while also benefiting the community? Like, where did they fit on that scale? I definitely think it was more about winnings in their rankings, especially for um, the women, because the women's team, like I said, it was new when I got there, and the men's team had been doing good for several years. So for the women's team, they, you know, felt they had to work harder because they had something to prove or they had to, you know, carry their weight. So I feel like more of their focus was on winning and um, being better on the court as far as in the communities they were involved and they did have to show up at some events, but it was all because it was planned through the athletic office. I feel it was more, you know, they had to be there versus they wanted to be. So I hear you talking about, like, the men's program was on a roll and everything. So mm-hmm. people might assume that you guys had a big gymnasium. Will you please describe the environment that they played in for their home games? Um, yes, they did not have a gym, actually. It was it had just been built um, when it actually was in the process of being finished whenever I began being their manager. But we used a high school gym in the area a local high school gym for practices and games. And then the NAIA school that I worked with had finally got the funding to build their own gym, but it was even smaller than the high school gym that we were practicing in before. There's only bleachers on one side and... um, Yeah, it doesn't sound like a fun place to play games at. No. So with... Your experience with both the men's and the women's side, what would you say was the biggest difference between the male athlete and the female athlete? Like, was the men's side more coachable than the women's side? Did the female athletes have different motivational factors than the male athletes? Or just what, if anything, was the biggest difference between those two programs? I would say when you talk about being coachable, I don't know if it was that the men were more coachable than the women, but the men were definitely more disciplined in my eyes. I felt that, you know, they were very routine and that helped them in being successful and winning games because I felt that's what, you know, they knew they were there for what they wanted. Whereas the women, there was a lot more to it for them. Yes, they love basketball and you know, they showed up and did their part, but they also were there for the academic side of it as well as the social side of it. And also, too, I believe that the expectations were different for the men and the women because a lot of times, you know, like I said, the men's team had been doing so well, so they had these high expectations for them and they were just expected to keep doing well and breaking more records which they did but the women they didn't really have any records to break the the women that were there were the women who started the program when it first started it was just kind of like oh well they're a new program and oh they're just getting started and oh they're women so they didn't have as high as expectations as the men so talking about the coaching staffs with the men's and women's Were there any females on the male staff or any males on the women's staff? No, the women's staff was 
women. It was a woman head coach and two assistant female coaches as well as me, the female manager. And then for the men's side, it was the same way. It was a head coach was male, two assistant male coaches, and a male manager. Do you feel maybe not at that school because there's only males and females on each staff, but do you feel like in general there should be more females employed on the male side of athletics? Uh, yes, I think that that would be beneficial. And I I think um, now that I'm thinking about it at the other NAIA schools that we faced, um, there was definitely a, a mix. A lot. Uh, it was more for the women's side. There were more male coaches and male managers, but um, there were a few female managers for the men's team that I saw. But I think, it, yeah, that would be beneficial if they were to cross higher there. Yeah, I think if it is seen a mix and the genders working with the teams, it's usually that way. The men work the women's sports and okay. there have been a lot of people calling for action on the men's side to open up the doors to women's do you think were you treated any differently in your interactions with the men's team like were you talked down to or just treated poorly i guess yes i definitely had some unfortunate run-ins with the male team and there was some disrespect there but i just try not to take it personally and I also, though, had disrespect from the women's, the women's team as well and the women's coaches. So I didn't really look at it as a gender issue as far as, you know, maybe it was just who they were or maybe because, you know, they're athletes. So, yeah, I think coaches get the benefit of the doubt at the higher levels because people think that that's how you have to act to get to where they're at so they get away with it. Yeah. Which I don't think, yeah, I don't think that shows like a sense of authority or, you know, it's it's good to, because she's a huge influence to the female players that she's coaching. So I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand what you're saying. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord flip you. So that wraps up all of the questions that I had for you today. Thank you for taking the time to join us on episode four. Thank you for having me. So I know that in your free time, you like to do pieces of artwork and you dabble in pottery. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. What what was that latest series that you sold? You just sold it, but I don't remember the name of it. Don't shoot the ish, shoot the swish. And you made your biggest profit off of that. Is that right? No doubt. So that wraps up the fourth episode of the show. Thank you for staying tuned. Remember to look us up on our website, mcballasports.site123.me. On Twitter, at Training, On Facebook and Instagram, at Training. And the podcast can be heard on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts as well. Thank you and see you next time.